Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Let's travel the world together. She can make it easy and in any kind of weather. No TSA, no bad checks, no patting down. She's talking from the skies and sending lives of feel good sounds. Oh, Betty in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt. Betty and the Jets. She's weird and wonderful Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen She's wearing high heel shoes Got her wings on, too You know I've never seen a better stew Oh, Betty and the Jets Hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. In this episode, we have a few stories from my recent trip to Uganda. We have stories about louse sex, Mary Poppins, air marshals, elephants, turtles, brass knuckles, tray tables, sleeping sickness, front bums, capes, and snafus. The music for the show, I recorded a street performer on Kensington High Street in London. Let's get on with the show. I'm going to Laos later in the month. I'm kind of excited about it. I had been planning to go to Burma, but, um, you know, they have that ethnic cleansing going on there. I didn't think it, I didn't feel good ethically to go there. So I changed my plans going next door to Laos. And I was reading about, um, you know, what to expect in Laos. <laughs> and I was in my reading, I read something that really caught my attention because I, I would have had no idea. And it also shows you if the uninformed, you know, can have major consequences. Uh, it is illegal to have sex with a Laotian if you're not married to them. You have to register a relationship. And if you're caught having sex with a Laotian, it's a fine of five hundred to five thousand dollars and prison. Woo! My goodness, I didn't know it was illegal for me to have sex with anyone anywhere in the world. <laughs> How pompous is that? I didn't know I didn't know it was illegal anywhere. Uh I'm assuming that this has to do with the um prostitution next door in Thailand. Uh so they're not trying to stop uh me from getting lucky in Laos. They just don't want, you know, child sex traffic all of that. I'm assuming I didn't say this in the travel guide that I was reading, but I was trying to figure out why it would be illegal to have sex with the Laotian. But I'm glad I read it. Now, granted, I don't ever, it's never on my agenda, and I certainly wasn't planning on getting lucky in Laos. 
But good to know that you certainly don't want to because you could go to prison. Uh, I, I thought it was funny that if I didn't know, and for some reason, who knows why, uh, there was some hanky-panky in Laos, uh, the flight attendants would be like, hey, what, what, what happened to Betty? And they're like, didn't you hear? She's in prison for getting lucky in Laos. I was working a flight to Europe, and uh, I was in the first class galley. The service was over. Everybody, it's an all-night flight. The passengers are all trying to sleep. You know, it's the quiet time during the flight. And uh, I was eating a peach cobbler, (laughs) which I try not to eat sugar, so I was being bad. And uh, I was talking to the purser, and the other flight attendant came up to get something. The phone rings, and the purser says... A passenger's down in the back. Go. So I put down the cobbler, and I go down one aisle. And the other flight attendant, who had just come up for a second, she starts going down the other aisle. And we're going fast because, you know, we all know it could be a heart attack. You know, passenger's down. You know, hop two. So I'm walking fast, practically running. And she, I'm going down one aisle. She's going down the other aisle. And I can tell that she's tripped over something because she, and she was going fast, so now she's airborne. And I'm thinking, oh, did she trip over the passenger? Is that where the passenger's down? And then I'm thinking, oh, or what now? Is she going to be down? Because where's she going to land? It's funny how your mind, how, you know, she wasn't in the air that long, but I had come up with these scenarios in the time she was airborne. <laughs> but she lands on a sleeping male passenger. And he's like, Whoa! you know, I'm surprised he didn't scream because you, know, you don't expect the flight attendant to land on you. And she's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And we're both now running back to the aisle. We'll get back. And uh, there's a guy on the back uh, in the galley and the, on the floor. Uh, he turned out to be fine. He had fainted. You know, they faint a lot. Um, but this one wasn't an ambient uh his wife turned out to be a nurse. She thought he was dehydrated. Uh, luckily, well, you know, it's nice when you come with your own nurse. That's a very convenient medical incident. But here was the interesting part about this incident. We had air marshals on this flight. And when we started running, they got scared because they didn't know. They thought, you know, it could be a, a security issue, right? And so uh, the Air Marshal says to me later, he goes, all I felt was wind go by me. (laughs) He goes, you two are like moving like lightning. (laughs) It's like, well, there you go. Flight attendants to the rescue. Was shocked to hear what you used to do on the side. Because, you know, flight crews are such a diverse crowd. And I love that because we're so different. But I would have never thought that you would do what... What did you do? I, for four years, I was a consultant and I sold romance enhancement products for adult women. (laughs) Like sex toys. Like sex toys. (laughs) It was like such a shocker because I would have never guessed. Yes, because I believe that women have the right to absolutely love and honor who they are. And in order to do that, sometimes it's nice to have playful and fun things that you can add into the bedroom. Yeah. Yeah, and I think women should really love who they are and know how to make themselves feel good. And sometimes they don't know how to do that because in our culture, in our country, we're not raised as sex being 
okay and but, open but and see, then when natural. You, and when you say that, then it goes with the angelic. Right? <laughs> and look, but at first, if you think, what? What? <laughs> and so uh, one night I had this party where I walked in and I was um, the only white woman right. in the room. Um, and it was very fun and it was a lot of young girls and my parties usually started out with a table that was very soft and fluffy it had all the lotions and potions and feather dusters and edible powders very easy to ease into a sex toy type of party and then I would kind of have an intermission and then I would clear that table and then I would bring out the big gun because (laughs) it can be somewhat shocking to walk into a room and the first thing you see is massive dual action vibrators or anal beads laying on a table and so you start off easy and so I was with these young girls and I started off with my dialogue about the the reason why you need to have good lubrications and why it's important to you know use you know pharmaceutical grades and and why it's so nice to have you know the, the intimacy and the foreplay and this young girl just stopped me in my tracks and said miss we don't need to hear about that lubrication. We want to see them dicks. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness. Okay then. And so I kind of cleared my table and opened my two big gun cases. I had all gun my cases? toys. Yes, I carried gun cases because I had younger children at home and just it was something that I kept yeah, separate, private. <laughs> and I opened them up and just started handing them around the room. And so it was a very, very fun evening. What did they evening. call you? Somebody called you. Uh, they told. She, well, one of them said uh, that she didn't feel comfortable having Mary Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Mary. Romance toys. It is like Mary Poppins. <laughs> because toys. I have been told I remind people of like a cross between a Dr. Ruth and a, a Mary Poppins because I am on a little. You know, I was older than the girls in the room. You know, by at least 10, 15 years. And but you know, I also feel like I give people a sense of like I'm. I'm talking to them like I'm their their older sister. Very comforting. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You're the perfect person for that. <laughs> for bringing joy. Yes. <laughs> bringing joy in many ways. Yes. <laughs> this is probably offensive, possibly, to a family member, but I don't think they'll ever uh, listen to this. Um, most most of my family doesn't. So. Uh, I was at a wedding, and uh, I saw um, a sibling that that I don't see that often, and uh, their spouse and their child, and so uh, we were going to spend some time together because we don't see each other that often. They live in a different state, and all of us had gone to this other, we had gone to Denver uh, for my niece's wedding. So uh, we're in the car, and I had offered to drive up to Pikes Peak. It's the, it's like 14,000 feet. Um, you know, it'd be a nice view. And uh, But, you know, we don't spend that much time together. So at first in the car, you know, it was a little awkward. My sister who lives there, the mother of the bride, had told us if we were going up there, you know, that's altitude. I've been at altitude before, but the rest of them haven't. And uh, I said, oh, take a baby aspirin. My sister had said, oh, make sure you chew gum, you know, to unblock your ears and drink a lot of water. And so um, I don't gum. I gave it up for Lent when I was like 15. I have never, I haven't chewed it since. Uh, I haven't given up much else. (laughs) Bully for me. I gave up gum. Hero. <laughs> anyway, so they distribute gum among the three of them, 
And so now we're driving and nobody's talking. And it was like a scene out of a movie. It was like... And I was like, ooh, this is going to be a long drive. <laughs> Maybe it's because I commute to work and I work really long days. You know, I have to leave my house like eight hours before uh, I fly to Europe. So maybe I work such long days. But let me tell you, taking a couple eight-hour flights to Africa, I wasn't even that tired. It was like no big whoop. I guess that's a that's a perk to working really long days. Uh, so I got there. I stayed at an airport hotel. Then I took a little airplane ride to Kasese, to the other side of the country, basically, the east side of the country, uh, where they have more animals over there. So I never really got into Kampala. I've kind of heard that it's kind of like a big, dirty, um, lots of traffic city. So I really wasn't as interested in going there. So I took this little plane ride and had a great time on the plane ride. This is the first day. Uh, I sat next to a local man. It turned out he was a surgeon. Gideon was his name. I had a lovely chat with him. And uh, I get that to Kasese and my hotel, I had arranged for them to pick me up because I figured, oh, I'm going to be tired. I don't know. It was like a good hour and a half ride from that airport to where I was going. I didn't know if uh, it's a little tiny airport. I didn't know if there'd be any way to get transportation there. So I had arranged for the hotel to pick me up and he was there and he was very upset. I didn't really understand. He's like, um, I, I got, I got something in the garage, uh, sit here. I'll be back. I thought, you know, I didn't know what to think at this point. I thought he was making food in the garage. I didn't really understand what he was saying, but it turned out the car was broken. The car had broken down right as he had got to the airstrip and he was very upset to, to like to disappoint me. And he's like, um, well, he had gotten a, a, a taxi, which just looked like a beat up car. And I thought, okay, well, that's the car we're driving an hour and a half in, you know, that's fine. We put my stuff in that car. And then he drove me, then he was explaining the car broke down. It's in the shop. It's in the garage. It's getting fixed. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's fine. He's like, I'm going to take you into town. I'll put you in a hotel where you, you can get some tea or something to eat. And I'll go back to the garage. And he was so worried, you know, for inconvenience of me. And I'm like, it's fine. You know, I hadn't seen any of Uganda yet. And here I was in a town that's not a tourist town, uh, which I was excited about because I was planning on going to some non-tourist towns anyway. And so this way I was, you know, getting it done like first day in country. <laughs> so I was like, don't worry, I'm going to walk around, take pictures, take your time. And he was kind of like, huh? <laughs> And then later on, it took him hours, I don't know, four or five hours. But I had a great time in this town, like walking around, seeing like what their stores look like. There was like a bed store outside where all the beds were just like out. The whole thing was fascinating. And people were like just looking at me like I was like, what are you doing here? It's like white girl in the city. Well, so we get the car fixed. Great. I had a fabulous time. He was not, uh, he was so relieved that I wasn't upset. And then on the drive uh, from that non-tourist town to this first safari camp, we saw elephants and baboons and monkeys on the road, just on the road. I was having, I was in like hog heaven. You know, I wasn't even on a game drive and we're seeing all these great animals. And then part of the fun uh, was that he was just telling me all kinds of things that I found fascinating. He was saying that elephants are afraid of 
bees. You know, like an elephant weighs tons and a, a bee weighs nothing. But if a bee gets in an elephant's ear, he's dead. So local people will plant bees near their crops to save them from the elephants because the elephants just tear everything apart just by walking on things. And at this hotel I was staying at, he was saying we, that uh, they have a swimming pool, and that's very unusual in the area because the elephants can smell the water, and two elephants can drink an entire swimming pool. <laughs> that sounded crazy to me. Like, I never really thought about it. Um, but he was saying, yeah, so that if the, the water is expensive, so you got to keep the elephants away from the swimming pool so they have a security guard and uh, they will shine a light in the elephant's eyes if they get near there. But I was thinking, who has that job? You're, you're just going to sit there with a flashlight shining shine at a giant wild animal's eyes and just hope and praise that he goes the other way? <laughs> Goodness gracious. And then he was telling me that elephants bury their dead talk about a big job. And then they come back every year to commemorate the loss, you know, the lost elephant. It's just quite lovely. 13 years ago, flying to Lima, Peru, sitting around in between services. Right. And downtime. Downtime. A call light went off, went to answer the call light, and a passenger told me they had found a turtle. They found a turtle. They found a turtle. A live turtle. A live turtle. It was a baby turtle. And it wasn't their turtle. It was not their turtle. Where was it? Like on the floor, I guess? It was on the floor, in the middle of the cabin. This was back when we had the galley knives. Oh, yeah. Knives. So I... What are you going to do with the galley knife? <laughs> I <laughs> cut open. I cut open a large water bottle. Oh, okay. No, I'm not going to barbecue the turtles for my crew meal. <laughs> To place the turtle inside. I was not going to gin, Ginzu knife the turtle. Maybe made an announcement. I love a It's too far away. You didn't get it on the on tape. We made an announcement. Who has lost their turtle? We have a turtle, but it's the middle of the night. Everybody's sleeping. We assumed. About an hour later, another call light goes off, and another turtle oh, has been found. Another turtle. Mm -hmm. another turtle has been found. Made the announcement again. Nobody fesses up. We're coming in international, so we have to notify customs. Yeah. Customs comes to the plane. They take the turtle. I'm commuting, so I'm out of there. Yeah. I ended up flying with the, one of the crew members again. And she said that the turtles were on the news, oh. that they were endangered species, oh, and somebody smuggling. was smuggling them in, and they were now in the Atlanta Zoo, living, <laughs> living the good life in the Atlanta Zoo. <laughs> so they ended up getting to be like a rock star turtle. I guess so. I mean, that's why the person wasn't fussing up, yes, though. They didn't want to get in trouble. huge yes. trouble. how I went to a family wedding in Colorado and when I was getting ready to go to the to fly there uh, I have this purse that I bought in Milan probably six years ago it's a evening bag a clutch and I bought it 
I had no event to go to. Uh, I just bought it because it was so unusual. And I believe when you see something you like, you should buy it. Because if you're looking for something, you you can't find anything and you just buy something because you need it and you don't even like it and then you might not wear it again. So I do have this rule. If you see something and you really like it, get it and then you'll use it at some point. So I didn't buy a new dress for the wedding. Um, I ended up wearing a dress I wear a lot. Uh, Just like flying as a passenger uh, with flats. (laughs) But I put high heels on with this fancy evening bag. And guess what? It's fancy. Uh, I like things with multiple purposes. Okay, but here was the dilemma. This particular evening clutch, uh, it's fancy. I bought in Milan. When I bought it in Milan, I might have told this story in the podcast. I'm not sure. But it the reason why it I liked it so much is at the clasp, it, it looks kind of like a crown, like a tiara, and it has um rings on top of it with like jewels. They're not real jewels. Uh but it's actually you put your fingers through there and it's kind of like brass knuckles. So okay, so you've got brass knuckles, you got rings on your fingers, and then you got an evening bag. And I liked the juxtaposition of the brass knuckles with a fancy evening bag. <laughs> Plus, I thought if you're walking home late at night, can't hurt, right? I bought it in Milan, flew home, and then when I was going uh, through security to go to my commuter flight home, they were like, you can't have this in your bag. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I just bought it. They're like, well, you could check it. So I checked my bag, and now I've I've worn it a few times, not that often since I got it. So now I have this wedding to go to. And I'm like, well, I'm going to have to check a bag. And I never check a bag because I never know which city I'm going to go to. The wedding was in Colorado Springs. If I didn't get on the Colorado Springs flight, I was going to go to Denver and drive. So you hate to check a bag to the wrong city, <clears throat> all that. But I want to take my silly uh, brass knuckles purse. <laughs> you know, I hear that very often. You know, my brass knuckles purse. So I check a bag. And then I think, well, I don't want to check my bag on the way home either. So I brought an envelope. This is how much trouble I went to to take this bag with me to a wedding. I brought an envelope and uh, self-addressed stamped envelope so I could ship it back home so I could have this purse at the wedding. Now, a friend of mine was like, this seems like an awful lot of trouble to go to for a purse. I mean, who's going to notice your purse at a wedding? And I'm like, I think people will notice it. It's a conversation piece. And she's like, oh, there's plenty other things to talk about at a wedding. And guess what? The purse was a hit. <laughs> people were taking pictures of it. People were coming over saying, I heard you have this purse. <laughs> I mean... I got so much mileage out of my brass knuckles evening bag that um, it was worth checking the bag and it was worth worth shipping at home. And I'll put a picture of it <laughs> for the podcast and maybe I'll put one on Instagram uh, at Betty in the Sky. And you know what? I will go to great lengths for a hit. I want to thank any of you who were so kind when you were going to buy something on Amazon. And don't we all buy stuff on Amazon? You decided to go to my website first, BettyInTheSky.com. You could even bookmark it. Uh, it doesn't cost you any more, and it supports the show. I love to see what people buy. Somebody bought some mosquito patches. 
<laughs> which I use when I'm traveling. It's like transdermal B vitamins. It's not 100% effective, but it's a really good addition to your uh, mosquito fighting arsenal. Somebody bought Crafty Rabbit winter washi tape. And this one, I, I was actually shocked because what are the chances that somebody bought a leather evening clutch bag? <laughs> but I bet you any money, it did not have brass knuckles. I also want to give some thanks to people who have been really nice with their emails or reviews on Amazon or Audible. Uh, Helen from Kingswinford, England, said, I've been a faithful podcast listener for some years now, and I was delighted to hear about your new book, Tar. I must tell you that I'm an avid reader and managed 24 books in my summer holidays. I'm not sure what I was expecting, but it certainly wasn't the amazing and intricate tale which you unfold in your book. Now I can't wait for the next one. So well done to you, and keep up the travel tales. This one... Uh, came from Hector, and it said, Good afternoon, Betty. I'm a loyal and longtime listener to your podcast. I look forward every month to listen to you. I want to share how impressed I was with your book, Tar. First of all, I was so impressed with your imagination and the way you used your past travel stories and made it into a book. Genius! This should be a movie. I want more. Oh my God, girl, you got me hooked. Oh, that's so nice of you, Hector. And just one more. This was for the audiobook, uh, which I was, you know, slightly nervous about doing. You know, writing a book was new for me. The audiobook was new for me. This one said, Captivating story. Can't wait to listen to the next installment. Betty, just like in her podcast, is an excellent storyteller. Oh, you guys are so nice. You can listen to the audiobook on Amazon, iTunes, and Audible.com. Wait, I gotta do this. Okay, so you do bush camping. I saw a camp right by hippos, and so. But you were saying that you throw bones. Why would yeah, you yeah, throw yeah. bones? Because um, we want to attract these um, uh, like hyenas. We want them to come really close <laughs> at night. You know. Is that scary? No, because um, most of these animals, it depends who you are and call um, preventive measures. And you can give them animal distance. Okay, so if you set a fire, how far away from the fire will they stay? Um, they can stay away from the fire. Uh, um, actually, it depends from a certain type of, an, of animal. But like um, these hyenas, they normally come so close, about 100 meters. Wow. To the fire. So then you get good pictures. Yeah, you can get good pictures <laughs> at night. And, yeah, it is really, It's all really about fun. the pictures. Oh. <laughs> This flight attendant was telling me that she was working first class and there was a woman traveling with her two children. The boy was about 10 and the little girl was about 8. And the 10-year-old little boy was just a joy. Uh, very polite. You know, he, he actually would pay attention to you. Uh, she, she just thought he was just a perfect little kid gentleman. <laughs> but the girl, well, that was another story. She thought she was... Uh, like a little princess and uh, quite possibly really spoiled. And uh, she was going around with her um, thank you end of the flight chocolates. And the little girl took the chocolate. It had caramel inside. And I guess she was displeased with the chocolate because she proceeded to take the chocolate and smear it, smash it all over the tray table, just a caramel chocolate mess. And the flight attendant is standing there thinking, really? Really? 
<laughs> but, but you also have to be careful what you say. You know, they're sitting in first class. You know, she's thinking, you little brat. <laughs> this little girl might end up like in a gang and, and spraying graffiti because basically she tagged the tray table. So what what happened is that there's no longer uh, sleeping sickness in here. Because there's not? Sleeping sickness. There's not? For someone to get affected with sleeping sickness, the state of fry has to pass, uh, has to have an intermediate, oh. which has to be an infected buffalo. Oh, so it had to have bit a buffalo and yeah, then bite so it you. it first goes to the buffalo and then bites you. But that but could happen. The buffalo has to be uh, uh, infected. infected. Ah. But... Um, the British, uh, the, uh, the British hunted down all the buffaloes we had around. So when the buffalo had the sleeping sickness, yeah. would you just see them sleeping all over the place? Yeah, most of the times they are always sleeping. But what happened is that we used to have a sleeping sickness back in the 20s around there. But what happened, the British hunted down all the buffaloes. Well, that's and good. the ones we, had, we have now, they are introduced here. So they don't have... S- so, so these are the new ones without the sleeping sickness. <laughs> so they're they're the, the new buffaloes. Yeah, yeah. So they, this, there's no longer sleeping sickness. Okay. A couple curious things when I was staying in my safari tent. Um, I'm usually very, I'm, I'm like a stickler for security. I'm always sure somebody's going to be stealing something from me or something like that. And I get to this tent and, you know, it just got Velcro on the door and the windows. And I'm thinking... Hmm. Of course, there's not a safe or anything. There's not even anything with a, with a lock or key. And I was like, huh. All right, you know, when in Africa. <laughs> just thought, okay, I don't have a lock or, you know, a safety chain. I just have some Velcro. And then another thing, I it seems like whenever I take a trip, I have all these lists. And I, I'm trying to be so careful that I don't forget anything that I always forget something. And on this trip, I forgot a nail file. And uh, I really wasn't near any stores. Except for like that one the first day when the car was broken. But I didn't realize at that point that I had, I didn't have a nail file. And I was, you know, hiking and scrambling in forests. So my nails were like all jagged and were really irritating and I was thinking well hmm what did they used to do before they had nail files and I was thinking well they must have just filed them on a rock or on a so I thought all right well I'm gonna try to file my nails on the wall (laughs) guess what it worked I like kind of fancy clothes Uh, I like architectural clothes and I was in Madrid and I was wearing my favorite shirt I wore it also to the rehearsal dinner for the wedding in Colorado Uh, I have a shirt that has a cape attached to it (laughs) you know you just don't see that many capes these days and what I like it when you walk the cape kind of like flutters behind you you know I feel very fancy in my cape and I also like um, I'm tall so I like wide leg pants like the wider at the bottom the better so they kind of move and swish when you walk (laughs) so I was on a layover in Madrid feeling all quite fancy in my cape and wide leg pants (laughs) it started pouring down rain well let me tell you uh the cape's fine in the rain but those wide extra wide leg pants when they start getting really wet uh they get real heavy at the bottom, 
And it's really hard to walk in the rain. You go from being fancy to a handicap. I, 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 I never got to go to, to it on that particular trip, but the girls were telling me about there's like six or seven of them that they were either getting divorced or just been divorced, and they, they did the Maui trip, and they would take off their tops oh, in the jacuzzi, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the manager had to come over and say, yeah. girls, could you please put your tops on? Crew's <laughs> <laughs> gone wild. Yes. I, I didn't get lucky enough to get on that trip. I was hoping to. Yeah. <laughs> But I was too junior. Sights. I was too junior. <laughs> I like the L1011 because we had the lower galley. Right, but there there may have been a possible uh, time where Thank you, a, Pinky. there was a girlfriend that happened to be working the galley down below, and um, I told the other girls uh, maybe she needs a little help. <laughs> but uh, disappeared for a little while. Yeah, that the the doors don't the elevators don't yes. work unless the doors are closed. Yeah, so you all the open way. the doors at the bottom, and then you you are guaranteed privacy. Yes, you are. Um, if that happened, yes. yes. You know, some of the boys had things down there too. Some of the um, you know boys who like boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could see where stuff. I could see where that it would work for them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to that wedding in Colorado Springs. I had never been there before. Wow, it's really beautiful. I mean, it's a really nice part of the country and the people seem very nice. Like the driving, it's not stressful. Everybody seems so calm and relaxed. And uh, somebody said, oh, maybe they're all stoned. <laughs> I had totally forgot about that you know, pot's legal thing in Colorado. But I don't know, they could have always been laid back and chilling. You know, I don't know if it was the pot, but I was enjoying the laid back atmosphere. And you know what? The wedding was great in that uh, I love to see a happy gathering and uh, young love and it's so optimistic. I also love how uh, weddings are kind of morphing a little bit, like um, my nephew, her brother, officiated the wedding. I think it's so nice to have someone you know in the family, a loved one, um, marrying you. The whole thing was just enchanting. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I was laughing to myself, which I do quite frequently. I was sort of patting myself on the back. Oh, good job. Good job. You know, you got the rental car. You got there fine. Uh, I found everything, you know, negotiating around. Um, you know, everything went. I was thinking, oh, so nice to have a trip be snafu free. And I remember even thinking to write down, I should write that down for the podcast. How nice when something is snafu free. Well, that's what you get for being smug. <laughs> writing down the word snafu free because <laughs> you're almost asking for the universe to to give you a snafu so sure enough <laughs> i thought i was gonna get on the flights the jump seats were already booked so i didn't get on three flights and i was at the airport all day long thinking oh yeah sure snafu free snafu free <laughs> I just worked a trip to London and we landed in London and there's always the nice gate agents that uh, meet the flight. And um, I walked out in the jetway and it was colder than I thought it was going to be. You know, the seasons are changing. And I said, wow, it's so much colder than I thought. And she said, oh, yes, you know, the cooks are back. And I thought, huh. So 
in a short amount of time, my, my feeble little brain is going, the cooks are back. And I'm thinking, roosters? The roosters do something when, because it's turning cold? Or does she mean, like, actual cocks? Cocks are back, like shrinkage in the cold? I didn't know. <laughs> so I asked her, I'm like, what, what are the, what are the cocks back mean? And she goes, you know, the clocks. So she said, clocks. And there was a guy standing there and he got all red and he said, well, I'm taking my cook and getting out of here. <laughs> well, this is what was funny. And in a 24 hour period, I managed to send two men running. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good sign, but uh, I, I, I was in this restaurant and they had a place for you to check your coats and I've been there before and they're nice and friendly people are very friendly there if you ask me and uh lots of times I have a backpack and they call it a rucksack and um so you have to check that also I guess you know there's like bombs and stuff and backpacks and so I said oh this time I don't have a rucksack uh because I was wearing my cape my cape shirt and you can't have you can't put a backpack over a cape you know it just doesn't work so so we started talking I said oh I think the word rucksack is so funny she's like well what do you call it I'm like oh a backpack she's like oh yes and I said I just like to talk to people I'm like you know I just find it so curious how you know in general we came from there but how we decided to change so many of the words and so she was like yes you know it's so funny like like fanny and I'm like well yeah. And she's like, well, what do you think a fanny is? And I'm like, well, like you're a bum. And the guy sitting there is already getting a little red. And I said, well, what do you call a fanny? And she's pausing and she's getting red too. And I'm thinking, oh my, what's a fanny? She goes, well, you know, it's your um, front bum. <laughs> and he said, I'm leaving. <laughs> so I managed to send two British men running. I was hoping to announce in this episode that book two of the tar collection, The Tar Maker, is out and ready for purchase. Well, as snafus would have it, not so much. <laughs> it's probably going to be out within a few days to a week after this podcast comes out. So it's not the best timing. It's not optimal, but it's on its way to being out. And then the audiobook probably will be... Um, I'd say six weeks because by the, I have to record it still. And then when you submit it, it can take up to six weeks after you submit it. It takes a long time. I'm guessing they have to have somebody listen to all the books that are submitted. And I guess that would take a while. <laughs> but anyway, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel around the world together. Thanks. Bye. Thank you.